That should also, is that, that still be coming through now, yeah? Brilliant. Right. Um, I was just going to say as well, if anyone um, does want to be kept informed about when we do the meetings, I know people who come to the church, yeah, they, they let people know, but if you, you can, just at the back there, just give the email if you want to. Yeah, it's on Facebook. Yeah, and we put it on Facebook. But if I find sometimes if people want to specifically be informed, we just I, I'm not someone over emails, but I just let people know when the, the meetings are on in the locality. Because um, we do do these ones monthly. Yeah. First, um, first Saturday of every month, we, this one continues. And, and the, the, you know, it's not it's for the whole area. We want people to draw in from different churches, bring the word and stuff so but, uh, right let's go back to let's open book of acts again acts chapter four and once again i stand up here and i'm like i'm, I'm gonna go line upon line so we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes <laughs> we're gonna do it calmly we're gonna do a teaching but you know even i might i might just run around and flap and <laughs> Acts chapter 4, I'm going to read two verses and then we'll make some comments. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, this is, this, is very, this is one of the first events we have recorded after the day of Pentecost, really. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost and Peter preaches. And Acts chapter 3 is when they go into the lame, the, the lame, on their way to the temple and the lame man who's healed. And this is all part of this, Acts chapter 3 and 4. Uh, because of the aftermath when the lame man is healed. Remember when Peter said silver and gold in, in the name up and walk? And uh, that's Acts chapter 3. So this now leads into Acts chapter 4 and, and the aftermath and the persecution and the response that came. So this is almost, in a sense, the first recorded event after Pentecost, really, uh, Acts chapter 3 and 4. And I just want to, there's something that's stirring in my heart that I want to say some things about. Um, but let me just read these two verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Uh, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Do you see that in your, in your translation? Yeah. What did they see? Boldness. 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 Now, I'm going to say some things about boldness. Because book of Acts Christianity is bold Christianity. And there's some things we need to talk about about this. Uh, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Well, there you go. I said that last time. It wasn't about their training, their education, and their, their, their theology degrees. See, we have managed to somehow take the church and turn it into the opposite of what, where it started. You know, I'm always, I'm, I don't know. I don't want to go too sidetracked. But I, it always amazes me how we manage to do that and still call it the same Christianity, same thing, you know, and it's become, Paul, Paul talked about, I didn't come in the wisdom of man in the, and, and, and with eloquent speech. But these days, it's so much about eloquent speech, polish your things. Sometimes I really think we are trying to make up for the lack of the presence of God with a whole lot of other things. We're trying to, we're trying to you know, it, it lean on a whole lot of other things. That, that's all got to be the key to the success. Now, I don't mind a polished environment. I don't mind a good good sermon. I don't mind good, good, good music playing. But I'd rather have someone who plays th three snapped strings on a guitar one of, and, and the, one of the other strings out of tune, and he can't even play chords, but the presence of God comes in the place, than a polished performance of musicians who've got no spirit of God on them. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? That's it, you know. And I'm not saying it has to be a person with three snap strings and one out. God can flow through through. When people put their confidence in that as being, you know, people I've been talking to recently and they they, they say things like, you know, you know, well, if we're going to draw the young people in, we've got to play some secular. I was having a conversation yesterday. Joe, we've got, we've got to play some secular music and some some Christian music because that's the only thing that's going to draw them in. I'm like, no, what you need is an environment where the spirit of God will manifest. What you need is people leading those young people who spend their week on their face before God rather than spend their week picking which secular songs to play. I, I tried to do it line upon and I really did. <laughs> I've seen environments, you know, I'm, okay, we'll, we'll get back to this. I remember, you know, I started, I don't usually say this because the moment you say you've done youth ministry in the past, everyone wants to invite you to come preach the youth. And I'm like, actually, I'm trying to teach and do other things right now. But I started off doing some youth work when I was younger in ministry. And I remember one time I was invited into a place to preach and they, 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 the, the, the only way could get young people in there. It was young teenagers. The only people, only way they could get young people in was play games and football. They didn't, and, and they had, and, and, and it was all hours of games running around football. And, and it was on the condition they could come and do that as long as they sat for a five minute Bible study. I was invited in to do the Bible study. I was to get, it's literally five minutes. Guess weaker. And, and I mean, by the time I got up there, or I wasn't even up yet, they'd been running around kicking a football for the last hour. They're as hyped as possible. And they tell them to sit down. They don't want to sit down. They, they were joking, messing. No one was paying any attention. The other the person who ran the youth groups trying to talk to them and, and trying to, oh, calm down now. Listen to the word. They're giggling like, oh, whatever, you know. They, they were not remotely interested in God. Because they've been running them around hyped up all, all the last hour. And this person couldn't get any control of them. And the Spirit of God was just coming upon me and, uh, and stirring me. And I got up there and it, 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 I, I've never, I cannot duplicate this. I've never been able to duplicate this. But I stood up there and I said, right, quiet. And the Spirit of God fell on the place. went dead quiet like that in a moment. And I preached at them for at least 15, 20 minutes. The youth pastors were like, they said to me afterwards, we've never seen anything like that. How did you do that? I'm like, I didn't manufacture that. That was the spirit of God that fell in that place. And tell me you won't, won't listen to the word of God. What they won't listen to is your polished performances dribble, dribble with no anointing on. I'm not put, well, I just read you a scripture about boldness, and that's what I want to talk about. So I'm going to be bold with this. I don't have time for pol political correctness. This, the hour is urgent. We got jobs to do. We got yeah. things to do. Yeah. The people going to hell, there are young people in a mess. They need the spirit of God. Don't need to, theology and, 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 and some polished performance to bring them in. They want reality. I remember when I started off as a, a youth pastor, I said to God, God, you put me in youth ministry? Really? Me? I'm like, I was the youngest. I mean, all my cousins, my, you know, my sister, all of them were older. I didn't hang around anyone younger than me. We were all guys. There were no babies. 
I was intimidated by anyone younger than me. It took me into my 20s. God had to help me through this. I, you, you see me now and you think, no, no, I don't believe it. I, I could not talk to someone younger than me. God tells me to be a youth minister. I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to Christian music growing up. I had no idea. And it wasn't even the young people's youth Christmas Christian music. I listened to worship. I didn't, I was like, God, I don't relate to them. You want me to be a youth pastor? So I said, God, what must I do? I said, do what I've anointed you to do, teach. So we started teaching. You can't teach young people the Bible. <laughs> you want to believe you can. We taught the word, the word, the word. And on a Friday night, I would teach. There were times I taught for an hour and 15 minutes, and they didn't blink. 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds coming with their bulls. We didn't have a big youth band. We didn't have lots of activity. We'd pray and, and do some worship and get in the word. Yeah. Don't tell me it can't be done. Remember, I'm going on to youth stuff now, but we'll get to this. You do have the whole afternoon, don't you? <laughs> but I don't remember one time I, I organized a youth camp. This is when I was, a I was still at school myself. This is before I was even a youth minister, before I went to Bible school. I organized a youth camp to another church. And... Um, and, and, and I was, because I was, I was kind of the organizer, but we did it with a couple of youth groups. So there were other youth leaders who were actually adults. I was just an old teenager. And, and they, they knew all about youth ministry. <laughs> they knew how to do it better. <laughs> but um, anyway, I say that mockingly. <laughs> but they wanted to spend the whole weekend playing games and doing all the fun things because it's the only way we're going to get them. And I had it on my heart for a weekend in the presence of God. But anyway, it was clear they weren't going to let that happen because they just wanted a weekend of games because that's how we can get young people into church. And we had a good amount of people there. So I, I came to them, the one down, I said, God's put on my heart, we can have an, a prayer meeting, now a prayer meeting. You should have said, the youth, youth it, was, it wasn't even the first of all the youth that reacted, it was the youth leaders. Hey, how, how are you going to get the youth to pray if you can't even pray for an hour? They reacted, oh, you, you, you'll never get the youth to pray for an hour. Fight, fight. We ended up in a full-blown shouting argument in that place. Spread all of the, all of the young people, all of them, all arguing. They were all offended. Oh, you, you, I came on a youth camp. How can you tell me to come pray for an hour? I said, I didn't tell you to. I just said, I'm going to have an hour prayer meeting. You want to go out and play football? Go play football. But I'll be there praying for anyone who wants to come join us. And that still offended them. Oh, arguments, they were all over the place in the fish, arguing, fighting. But anyway, finally, I just said, guys, I said, I just said, well, God put it on my heart. Anyway, it comes the next morning when we put it on my heart to have the prayer meeting. A whole lot of them showed up. I think they all got convicted the night before. A whole lot of them showed up. We started praying, and the anointing of God oh, came in that place. Yes. Again, those young people prayed. It went over an hour. We're now praying. Not, none of them opened their eyes looking around. The power of God, the anointing of God fell in that place. And they prayed and they sought God. And afterwards, everybody was amazed. They said, we've never seen anything like that in any of our youth groups. How did you do that? Like, I didn't do it. It's the Spirit of God. I can't manufacture that. And I heard some of the, the youth leaders talking afterwards, chatting amongst themselves. And they were saying this. They were saying, I never even thought you could get young people to pray longer than five minutes. 
See, they didn't believe they could. Okay? But what made the difference? The Spirit of God, the anointing. You want to get a full young group of young people in your church? Get the presence of God flowing in that place. Amen? Anyway, that's not my main topic, but, but it's good anyway. Where was I? Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw what? Boldness, boldness, boldness. Now jump down to verse 29. Now, what happens is they, they, Peter and John are being, they get threatened by the Jewish council. Was it the Sanhedrin? I don't know. But, yeah. But they get threatened not to preach because they try to put a stop to what's happening. Notice that. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3. Man gets healed. Lame man walking. Almost immediately, people pop up trying to shut it down. It's right in the start. Right in the start. But, but Acts chapter 3, there are people trying to shut down the Spirit of God. I control it. That didn't appear, did it? See, the enemy doesn't want the move of the Holy Spirit in the church. And he will do anything he can. He, he, he stirred up the, the religious environment to, to literally threaten them, beat them. What, what was it they were afraid of? That manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was beginning to move. So they threatened them. How did Peter and John react? Look at verse 29. That, well, first of all, they go back to their own companions when they get let go. They told, they get threatened. Don't you dare preach in the name of Jesus anymore. What did they do? Did they all go and say, oh, 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 we can't preach in the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. Oh, Lord, why did you send us to Jerusalem? Oh, Lord, it's hard, yeah. It's hard, Lord. We'll go to another city, Lord. Forget about this city. <laughs> they threatened us. Now, I was in good standing with that synagogue until you came along, Jesus. <laughs> now they don't even want me there. They booted me out the door. Uh, it reminds me of, a, of, I think it was William Seymour, Azusa Street Revival, yeah. start of the 20th century. Yeah. I think it was before the Azusa Street Revival broke, broke out. Uh, if any of you don't know about the Azusa Street Revival, go read up on it. It's very powerful, powerful manifestation. They had to call the fire brigade to that building. One long meeting, which basically lasted three years. Seven days a week, they, 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 were, they never pretty much closed the meeting. It was going to four hours a day. I think there was like somewhere three or four o'clock in the morning where it kind of got a bit quiet. One meeting for three years. But they had to call the fire brigade. The local fire brigade was called to that building because over, over 20 times in that three-year period, they called the fire brigade. Secular people called the fire brigade because they saw the building on fire. The fire brigade got there, no fire. Well, there was concern okay but 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 that's the besides but william seymour he, he said before that happened when he when he first went to los angeles this was in america when he first went to started preaching there was a church there he, you know man of color but but he, he preached in the church preached pentecostal message and i think from what i remember i think that he did the morning meeting and he came back in the in the evening and they, they locked the doors they wouldn't let him in and i think it was Partially because of his race, the color of his skin. Well, we, we, we can't have that in here. And partially because of what he was preaching. And he sat on the doorstep and he said, Lord, they shut me out. What am I going to do? And God said, they shut me out of that church a long time ago. That's what God spoke to him. 
Oh, the go- they shut me out of that church long time ago. I don't know what you're crying about. <laughs> Do you know that can still happen in churches? This, look at what, what happened. The Spirit of God begins to manifest, and immediately people try to shut it down. Why? The enemy doesn't want the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He'll do anything he can. But what, 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 how, how do they respond? Well, they go to their own companions. Good place to go. They begin to get around their own people. That, and it goes back, back to time. I mean, we do some online stuff. We do it on Zoom. And I praise God for online because it, some of us are all over the country. We can't always do it together. But we also do in-person stuff. Because it, it, in-person is vital. Going back to what you were saying about uh, online meetings, I've noticed, I've noticed, apart from, you know, when you really draw people in, you've got a connection, but most Christians don't really connect properly online. They watch your video, but then there's 150,000 other videos they can go watch, and they don't even watch through the end of your video. And then you say, they, oh, we love your ministry, we love your teaching, okay, we're doing a meeting, oh yeah, we love your teaching, we'll be there, they don't show up. That's the danger of online. Okay, because people on the sofa and watch online and not connect to the body of Christ. This is why I read to you, they showed up at the temple. That's why, you know, we try to find a balance. We've got some online, but we've got also live in person. It's good to have a balance. But, 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 but it's not all about, I've noticed over, after years of teaching online, how many of those people don't, are not even connected up. Really no connection with them. Amen. Anyway, that's besides the point. I was going to make a comment about that rear guard as well. I'll come back to my thing. I was thinking, you know what? When you said about how the armor of God does back, and yes, the Lord is our rear guard and the glory of God. You know what came to me? And I thought, the reason you don't have armor on the back is because we're supposed to be running from the devil. Our back is turned from him. We're supposed to be taking ground. He is the one who flees. We got it the other way around. We're, we're on retreat. We're getting into fort mentality. What we're supposed to be doing is shaking, shaking the city. Amen. So yes, the Lord of God is our rear God. I, I, I wonder if that's another reason. We don't need it on the back because the body of Christ is not supposed to have their back to the devil. We ain't the ones fleeing. He is. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And if we've got anything to do about it, they ain't prevail, the gates of hell ain't prevailing in this country. Anyway, let's get back here. So they go to their own companions. And first of all, they spend a few verses praising God. They glorify God. But now what do they do in verse 29? Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants. Now, do you get the impression they are shaking in their boots afraid? I get that impression. How many Christians these days, the moment they're persecuted, they help me for help, 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 oh, they're going to persecute us. That's not Book of Acts Christianity. Afraid. I, I don't see them afraid. Again, I remember when I was at school, and I might have told this story here before, but, I, but I'll briefly tell some of it. I remember when I was at school, I mean, I, again, I, 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 about 16, 17, 18, already planning and going to the ministry, and I was involved in running my student union at school, and we started preaching the gospel at school, we started getting persecuted. I mean, my deputy headmaster threatened me. I was in his office. I was threatened with expulsion. I was threatened to shut this thing down. 
and, and stop praying for people for healing and for the Holy Spirit and church. I pointed out his window and I said, I said, when it comes to school things, you've got authority over me, but, if, but you ain't stopping me preaching the gospel in, this church, in, the, in the school. I was pretty bold in those, bold, okay? And, um, but, but we got threatened. They tried to take our school to court for, for, I'm like, what? Me and my friends, a couple of us. You know what? I remember one day we'd been called into the deputy headmaster's office and we were threatened. We were told, you, you, this, you, yeah, they were trying to shut us down. I can't even remember all the things they said. And we walked out of there and we grinned at each other and we went, we're being persecuted. Ah, yes. <laughs> we, we were excited about it. We were like, man, they're persecuting us. Something must be going right. Because <laughs> we weren't, afraid. we were like, we were, there was this no fear. And we stood up ground and we got bolder and bolder and bolder as a result. And God moved in that environment. We had things happen. We had people being touched by God. Because why? Well, this is what I want to talk about. God manifests in an environment of boldness. Amen. Boldness is directly connected to the manifestation of the Spirit of God. It's directly connected to the miraculous. The enemy can get us on the run in fear and shut down the boldness. He shuts down a lot of other things too. The enemy wants us intimidated. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm bold. I believe God wants people healed. I believe in healing. I've had, I've had ministers get upset with me about things I've said about healing. Ministers, oh, I don't want to associate with you. You believe such and such about healing. Okay? Because they all want to argue about healing. <laughs> yes, we believe God can heal, but we don't always believe he wants to heal or whatever, you know? Telling me a father wants to watch his child sick? Anyway, that's another subject. I pitched that one two weeks ago. But, see, the enemy wants us to back down and stop preaching some things. No. So he he attacks healing so that we don't want to, well, you know, we're around Christians who don't believe God heals. So, you know, we're going to keep our mouth quiet because it might upset them. It might offend them. Well, you know, you know, we're with Christians that don't believe in the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to talk about tongues and the Holy Spirit with this group. We're going to keep quiet. And then we wonder why there's no manifestations. Because we keep pleasing everybody else and backing down on truths to, to rub everybody else's coattails and rub their back, make them feel good. But you know what? They ain't afraid to preach their do false doctrines in front of my face. They aren't afraid to talk about how God will heal when I'm in the room. But the moment I talk about God will heal, then I'm the bad guy. And I'm the one who's got to shut up. No. It's about time we start getting bold with some truths. We cannot back off doctrines that God has brought into the church and he stirred the church and he's brought revivals over the last 100, 200, 300 years, bringing things back in, doctrines and truths, because it's going to upset and offend a few people certain things preached. Boldness. God manifests in an environment of boldness. 
But when we start getting afraid and we back off and we don't want to mention certain truths because they're, they're, that group might, like, might not like it and they don't want to listen to it here. What did they, what did they pray? Now, Lord, behold their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness. Now, they've already seen in verse 13 they were bold. Then they get threatened. What do they do? They pray for more boldness. Now, this is not this is an isolated incident. The early church, the, I mean, we say early church, they're all part of the body of Christ, but the church in Acts, Peter, Paul, James, John, they all understood the role of boldness. They understood it's essential. Now, I want to say, there's some things we need to stir up about this because we need to realize our lack of boldness is one of the things that's holding back the move of God. Now, we don't want to say certain truths. I mean, you get bold up in the pulpit and what you say, I'm like, I'm going to get bolder. I want to storm out and not like what I preach, it's a problem. But there's some things that need to be said in the body of Christ. We've tiptoed around because we're going to upset three people. We're going to upset this person. We're going to upset that church. Well, hey, if they shut down and not allowing the Holy Spirit to move and not allowing God to heal in that place, and they get upset because I'm going to preach healing, not, that's, not, that's not my fault. We're going to stop pandering to people who won't submit to the word right. and the truths of the word and think that we have to please them. I'm being bold with how I preach this. But when you look in the book of Acts, you've got to, you've got to make, if you want to be a book of Acts Christian, you've got to make up your mind on one thing. You've got to decide whether you are going to obey and please God or obey and please man. And people are not going to like it when, you, when, you, when you're not fussed about pleasing them, but you, you're going to please God. Now, let me say this. They prayed. Uh, there's a few things I want to say, and I want to try and get it all in. What did, what did they pray? Boldness. Let's read Acts 4.29. Lord, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness. What does the rest of the verse say? Boldness to speak your opinion. Not boldness to speak your stuff. See, you preach a message on boldness and someone says, yeah, I'm going to be more bold and go bold with all the wrong stuff. This is boldness with the truth of the word. Not boldness with your theological messed up error and doctrine. God does not manifest and confirm error. But he will manifest when this word is preached. So I just want to make that point. Make sure it's the word you're being bold with. Make sure it's truth you're being bold with. But, that, but, but, but we cannot back down. I'm going to make that statement again I made a moment ago. You've got to decide whether you're going to obey God and please God or obey and please man. Because it, God, throughout the Bible, God has used people of courage. What did he say to Joshua? Be strong. And of good courage. That word courage that you go and look at is connected to the concept of boldness. Look at the people God used. Moses. Now Moses might have felt he, within himself he was a little bit intimidated. But he had the boldness to walk into Pharaoh's court and tell him what God was saying. And then they, Pharaoh threatened and tried to put, stop things. What did Moses do? Did he back down? Everybody else was trying to back down. Everyone, oh no, Moses, don't do it again. He beats us more now. 
said, I'm going straight back in. I'm going to tell him the word of the Lord. What was it like? People say, I want to call down fire like Elijah called down fire. Do you have the boldness that he had with the things of God? To stand, how do you like to stand with 400 idolatrous prophets and priests who all want to kill you? Not just, not, not, just, not just write a book against you, kill you. And he calls the fire of God and speaks the word of the Lord. That takes boldness. God has always used people of courage. The Daniels. People say, oh, I want to be like Daniel. You know, well, you know, I mean, you might not want to be thrown in a lion's den. But people say, I want the, the power of God to manifest like that. It took some boldness for that man to take his stand on what he believed. He was the only one doing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love, you know, people share all the pictures on Facebook about how they, was, they were the only three standing and everyone else was bowing down. I'm like, I'd like to know, you know, how many Christians would actually, ooh, they're all bowing. I don't want to stand out. Ooh, at least duck your head. Because, you know, we don't want to rock the boat around here. You know, they've got a different religion in, the, in, this, in this city, so let's, let's all just conform. We don't want to rock the boat. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we ain't bowing. We're not bowing. Contrary to my belief, I'm standing my ground on the word of God. The boldness, what happened? God manifested in their life. Do you see how many of these miracles are connected to people who were bold with some things and they stood out? They weren't afraid of man. They didn't back down. God has always moved and manifested in the lives of people who are not afraid of what man can do and who will stand on the truth boldly and not become ashamed of it. Now, I was raised with certain truths, but I found myself doing exactly what I preached on a moment ago. You get around certain Christians, oh, well, I better not mention healing among this crowd because they don't like it. Oh, I better not talk about tongues around this crowd because they don't like it. And I thought to myself finally, I'm like, what am I doing? I just shake myself and I think the Spirit of God was shaking me. I'm like, no. I'm not going to back down on truth. I'm not going to back down declaring the word of the Lord. It makes me unpopular. But we want to please people. We want everyone to like us. This boldness here. See, many, many today fear. They're afraid of this kind of response that Peter and John got. Dragged before the I know what it's like to be dragged before the Sanhedrin, by the way. I had that happen earlier on in my ministry. I was preaching healing in some churches down in the south of England. I got dragged before the whole denomination. I was, I was one year out of Bible school. I graduated when I was 20, 21. I mean, I was like fresh, brand new ministry. I was, and I, I say they're dragged, just not showing up because I thought they don't want to hear it. I'll just walk away. But I thought I'd show up. And all, you know, a lot of them, they'd been in ministry 20, 30, 40 years. They were you know, all in their suits and like 60 years old. I'm like 21. And it's all, oh, yeah, you know, you can't preach that stuff in our churches. We don't believe in healing. So I'm like, well, why don't we look at the word? And for six, five hours, it's literally five hours, I took them through the word on healing. They didn't want to hear it. Five hours. I showed scripture after scripture, scripture after scripture. Theologians much more trained than me in theology anyway, not necessarily in the truth. Okay? So I know what it's like to be dragged before church councils like that. I'm just glad they didn't stone me, but, it, you know, <laughs> I, I've been in churches where I thought they were going to drag me. 
and stone me out the way. I preached one in one church. I preached God's a good God. Simplest message. Ever. I mean, I thought, you know, had the pastor run up to me afterwards. How dare you preach that in my church? What do you want me to preach? He's the bad shepherd? <laughs> what do you want me to preach? Okay. So I, I know what the person you know with some degree of persecution. I got threatened with expulsion. I got threatened with my school, my, my career, everything. <laughs> I mean, threatened by pastors. I mean, threatened by ministers for preaching things they don't like. But you know what? I'm still here. I'm going to get bolder. And the word is still here. It doesn't change. You know, not, not a bad track record for where I am in ministry so far. People are like, well, they're going to write a book against you when you get bigger. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, I've got a really got a bunch of things that have happened. I don't care if they write books against me now. You know? <laughs> so what if everyone leaves my ministry if I start preaching the truth? Well, maybe, maybe they're the ones who shouldn't be there and they need to leave. One, you know, we'll get to the scriptures in a minute. One, one, pastor, one, one, one pastor said, <laughs> what's that? Yeah. <laughs> one, 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 one pastor, you know, God told them to pre preach a certain truth. And, and, and he had, didn't have a big church. And, 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 and he said, Lord, I can't preach that because the biggest giver in my church is going to leave. They don't like that truth. And it's a whole family. They're gonna, we're going to lose. It's like half the church. It's a whole family. And this is what he said to God. He said, the biggest giver in my church is going to leave. He's been led by money, isn't he? You know what God said to him? No, I'm still here. You have to think about that for a moment. Because he just told God the biggest gift is leaving. God said, no, I'm still here. You preach what I tell you to preach. <laughs> There's going to be people who don't like it. But we can't back that down on things. As I said earlier, Jesus spoke about people hating us. Why is it we're so afraid of people hating us when Jesus promised it's going to happen? We want to be popular. If you're trying to get everybody to like you and to be happy with what you say, you won't preach the word of God properly. You're trying to get, if, you, if you're playing to the crowd for the popularity and the Facebook likes, we are servants sons and daughters, but we're also servants by choice. We serve just like Jesus was a son and he chose to serve. We are servants of the, of the most high God, not servants of man. What if they persecute us? Hey, you look in the book of Revelation, the persecution is only going to increase. Like I said, I personally believe we're, we're a lot closer in certain things. We've got to stop being afraid and start being bold. Speak out in this nation and begin to declare what needs to be. There, you see, so the reason it's, it's so hard in so many areas in this country is because every time someone starts to preach, all the Christians jump on them as, oh, we don't agree with that truth. They try to shut it, shut it down. We need some people to begin to say, we ain't backing down. We ain't leaving. We are going to preach the truth. We're going to stand here and it's, it's going to happen. Amen? But if you're trying to get everyone to like you, you'll hold back so you don't upset someone. You won't be bold to say it. Well, you know, we just want everybody to like our church. Because <laughs> maybe they'll come to church and get saved. That's not why they got saved in the book of Acts. They got saved because they were confronted with the manifestation of the power and the presence of God. And they heard the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And they were confronted with truth. 
That's why they got saved. That's why we got many people who supposedly get saved because they come to a like church where we, 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 like, we make it cozy and like. I sometimes wonder, do they really do they just join a club? <laughs> I was a bit bold with what I said there, wasn't I? But anyway. <laughs> I, I'm preaching this bold today because we've got to realize we've got to stop watering things down. If, we, if, we're trying to, if we don't want to upset anybody so that we fill the pews, we're going to water down, we're going to compromise, and I'll tell you this, we ain't having a revival. We ain't having a move of God. You look through the revivals of history. Would we have even had a reformation if Martin Luther was more concerned about being popular with the Pope speaking out the truth. No. There would have been no reformation. He put his whole life and his whole reputation on the line to speak what needed to be spoken. They tried to kill him. They excommunicated him. In those days, the belief was if, if, you, if the Pope excommunicates you, you are going to hell. There's nothing anyone can do about it, including you and God himself. <laughs> they excommunicated Luther. He laughed. Well, I'll excommunicate you back. He excommunicated the Pope. Uh, whatever. <laughs> now, his, his original intention wasn't to leave the church. He wanted, he literally wanted to reform the church, but he realized some things don't want to be reformed. And he was forced into an environment. But he had to, he had to be out there on, on, on his own in a sense. People say, oh, you know, you need, you need someone to back you in what you're doing. I'm like, there would have been no reformation if Martin Luther had said, well, you know, I can't step out until I got someone backing me. <laughs> he stood out by himself and said, let's do this. And then the, the people came. Didn't they? Many other revivals and moves of God through history. They had to be bold with some things. And they had to become unpopular. Even within the church environment. Not bold with their opinion, bold with the truth of the word. Any, anyone ever heard of David Duplessis? often known as Mr. Pentecost. Yeah. You never heard of him? Uh, you must read his book. I'm serious. You must read his book. You, you must read his book, A Man Called Mr. Pentecost. I think it'll actually help you. D D David Slosser, I think, is the author. Slosser is the surname. A Man Called Mr. Pentecost. Very powerful story. It's all about how God used him to take uh, some truths about the Holy Spirit into even the Catholic Church and all that during the 1960s uh, and different things like that. But you know in order to do that, when he started mixing with the Catholics and started mixing with the other denominations, the Pentecostals disowned him. He was, he was, he was like one of the, the most well-known Pentecostal preachers on the planet. He, he, most people said if there was ever going to be a pope and a leader of the Pentecostal church, it, he was on track to be that person. It was going to be him. Just at a time all the Pentecostal churches were forming. And then as it started happening, God began to lead him into the denominational churches at a time that the Pentecostal churches believed all the other denominations were the Antichrist and God would never move in them again. So he starts to go into these churches. They think, oh, David Duplessis has gone to the devil. You know what they did? They ripped his papers. They, they yanked his ordination. They disowned him. Nobody. Where was his accountability? Where was his crowd? Where was his backing? 
we would not have had a lot of the move of God in the 1960s and 70s if he had not done what he had to, what he had to do. He went to God and he, he, and he cried and he said, they took my nation away. I've got nobody. That's what he said. I've got nobody now. And God said, now I can use you the way I need to use you. That's what God said to him. Now I can take you and use you as my vessel. We look at the people, we look at the revivals, we look at the way God's moved. I can pinpoint over and over and over again where people became unpopular, became persecuted, stuck out like a sword, th sword, sword thumb, sore thumb, with were willing to have everybody turn their back on them. But they would not compromise the truth. And that environment created an environment God could move and manifest in. Our compromise, our backing down, our fear of man shutting down the manifestation of the spirit and the manifestation of the miraculous. Because we, 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 we don't want to rock, rock the boat. Who do you really think doesn't want you to rock the boat with truth? Who do you really think wants you, oh, you know, we can't mention tongues because they don't want to pray in tongues. We, we can't mention healing because they won't like it. Who do you really think doesn't want you mentioning truth? Amen. Let's look at, well, yeah. anyway, I, I mentioned how Jesus said people are going to hate you. Is that the time? I think my watch is an hour, an hour late. I just, I'll just read this one. Just note these down. You don't have to turn these because I want to go quicker. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are you when men hate you. Hate, not just dislike. Hate. But what do we do when they hate us? Oh, God, help. <laughs> Maybe I need to kind of you know, fix it all. Huh? Jesus said they're going to they're they're hate you. What did they do in the book of Acts? They hated them when they stood up. But what, how did they respond? Lord, give us more boldness. Boldness. And you know what happened? They had the manifestation and the move of the Spirit of God. Because they wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't back down on truth. John 15, 18. Just, just write this one down. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Why is it these scriptures are in the Bible, but the moment we get hated for standing up truth, we want to back down. Oh, no, they hate me. He said it's going to happen. What was their response in Acts chapter 4? They began to pray for boldness. I'm just skip, skipping some things here that are extra side journeys. Began, that word boldness, yeah, give me some, let me give you some information. I looked that up in the original, the original word, what it means. It, it means all outspokenness or frankness, being frank. It means freedom in speaking, unreserved in speech, openly and frankly. Now, why do I give you that, that translation? Because I want you to notice that the boldness is connected to your words. The boldness. Lord, grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may do what? Speak your word. The boldness being spoken in this passage is a boldness with what we're saying. The enemy wants to shut our mouths. He wants to get us afraid. He wants to cause us to back down with things. 
Let me read this one. You, you, can, you can go there or you can look it up if you want to. But Ephesians chapter 6. This is what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. This is right after the armor of God, which was referred to earlier. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me. So he asked them to pray for him. Now, so, you know, I've had people say, oh, you know, I'm just asking people to pray for me like Paul asked everyone to pray for him. Paul was not asking them for personal requests. This is not a personal request. He's not asking him, oh, pray for my healing or pray for, pray for the, he, this is prayer from people who connects it up with him for the ministry of what he's doing. Okay. But what does he pray? Pray for me that utterance. What's utterance? It's got to do with what you're speaking. Utterance may be given to me that, notice this, that I may open my mouth boldly. Do you see the boldness? It's not, now, it's fun. It's one to be bold with your actions, but the, the, well, the emphasis here is boldness with what we are declaring and saying and speaking. Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Did Paul recognize the, 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 the importance of being bold with what we speak and what we preach and what we declare? And again, not bold with your opinion, bold with the word. I'm convinced that the bolder we are with the Word of God, the more we'll see God manifest and back it up. I heard one minister say, he said this, there's a lot of churches, a lot of ministers that if they would just be a little bolder with their preaching, they'll start to see God manifesting in the church. They're holding back, that holding back is holding us back. You go, you go through, I, I, I'm not going to now because we, we're coming to, to, to the time. But all through the book of Acts, you'll find this. You'll find this emphasis. Uh, I'll read this quickly. Acts, Acts chapter 9, just after Saul, Paul, the apostle Paul, but at the time was Saul, just after he got saved. Verse 27 says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly, at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Do you see this word bold keeps coming in in the book of Acts? Acts 28 ends with, this is right at the end of Acts 28, right when Paul is in Rome and he's in his own house for two years. Acts 28, verse 30 talks about for two years he was there in Rome in that rented house. Verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. The word confidence there is the same word for boldness. Same word. Speaking boldly. I'm just trying to see if there are any others. Ah, here it is. Acts 14. Let's look at this one. And then we'll, we'll round this up. Actually, you go to Acts 14.3. I'll just quickly read for you Acts 19. A lot of these that I've just read you were in Acts, Yeah. You go to Acts 14, look at Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Sorry, you go to Acts 14, 3. That's the one I want to talk about. I'm going to read for you Acts 19. Acts 19, 8. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. Book of Acts Christianity is bold. 
frank, outspoken, not tiptoeing with the truth. Now, in Acts 19 and verse 8, this is the one I'm reading, you're at the other one. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 8, which verse? 8, yeah? It says he spoke, he, he spoke boldly for three months. That's verse 8, 9, 10, 11. Three verses later, it then says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. wonder if there's a connection. Three verses after it's just told us he's preaching boldly, he starts to see unusual manifestations of the miraculous starting to happen through his life. Now, go to Acts 14.3, where I told you to go. What did they pray in Acts 4? Lord, stretch out your, Lord, Lord, grant, no, sorry, grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word, and then what? And stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders and healings. I'm paraphrasing the last bit of it there. They pray boldness, God move. What's God trying to show us? That, that's Acts 4, Acts 19, the one I read. Paul preached boldly, three verses later, unusual miracles. Look at Acts 14, 3. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly. There it is, yeah? In the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Is there a connection? There's a connection. See, more than one verse. Boldness, miracles. Boldness, miracles. Boldness, miracles happening. Then a few verses of each other. This is a key. This is a key. The enemy can cause us to be afraid, to back down, to tiptoe with truth. Not only does he get us to tiptoe with truth, he's also affecting and shutting down and the move of the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the miraculous. We want these city-shaking manifestations of God? Boldness is one of your keys. This is not a random link. This is a central key. If you want the miraculous, boldness with speaking the Word of God. Now, I'll close with this. Boldness is not one possible way to teach the Bible. Not, oh, well, that's all right. You're a bold person. We're not. No. Is this a naturally worked up boldness? No. Paul, Paul prayed in Ephesians. Lord, sorry, in Ephesians, he asked them to pray. Pray for boldness for me. What did they, in Acts 4, they prayed for boldness. Is this just their personality was bold? No. They were praying for boldness. Many people are praying more for the miraculous, more for the manifestation of the Spirit. That's the easy bit for God. Begin to pray for boldness. Lord, give me boldness to speak your word. There's not one possible, and it's not just a naturally worked up personality thing. If you'll, lead to, if you'll yield to the Spirit of God, that boldness will rise up on the inside of you. You can be of it. Again, I'm not talking about being bold with your error, bold with your wrong stuff. Bold with the word, bold with what is truth, bold, bold with what is coming from God. Amen? But we've got to realize boldness is not an optional extra to preaching. Boldness in many environments has been wiped out in, the, in a lot of churches. We're, we're almost taught to tiptoe. We're taught to be, 
held back with it all. And then we wonder, where's the move of the Spirit of God? Oh, well, God doesn't do those things anymore, is the excuse. Oh, no, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. No. We've, we've ripped the foundation of boldness out from underneath the church. Turned everybody into people pleasers. Like I said, oh, yeah, I can't. We don't, we, we, you know, there's certain truths I just can't teach in this church because a few of the people don't like it. But, you know, we still want the miraculous manifestation of healing, but we just don't know where it is. Maybe God's just stopped doing it. Do you see that you're not seeing the connections, the dots? Amen. Hallelujah. There's more we could say about that. But uh, I, think, I think you see what I'm saying. Amen. You get it. And this is something we need to pray for. This is a matter of prayer. And stir it up in your own life. Lord, help me to be bold with the word of God. Pray, pray for your ministers. Pray, pray for us. Pray that we be bold. Pray for your pastors. Pray in your churches. But, you know, or get into a church where they're going to be bold or something with the word. Not be afraid of that. And um, we want more. Of, we, 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 I believe we'll see more of the manifestation of the Spirit. Of God. Praise God. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Father God, we magnify and praise you. Lord, I just pray that you take these truths that we've taught today and, and these things that we've ministered, Lord. And Father God, I, I pray that you will, you will teach people here, teach each person here. Lord, we don't want this to just to be about the but I pray that you'll show people in the scriptures and, and I've shown them things, but I pray that your spirit will show them things and help us to begin to recognize and help us begin to see and to begin to realize what it's going to take, what is necessary uh, in, in order for us to begin to step into manifestation of the spirit of God and more of the move of the spirit of God and help us to, to not back down, Lord God. And we, we thank you, Father God, for boldness. We thank you for confidence. Thank you, Father God, that we will not be afraid. We will be people of courage. And we will stand strong on the truth, even in the face of attack and persecution. Give you the glory for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you all. It's wonderful to see you all. We, 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 we're doing these now on the first, first Saturday. And the consistency. So it's not, it's not you know, I'm not making it come daily yet. <laughs> Once a month. <laughs> I can't be everywhere at the same time. It's almost daily for me. But 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 you know, you're welcome to come in and and bring others in and let's and, and just and and because by putting it in a consistent date, people know when it is and we can just keep coming. But if you want to be on the mailing list, we can remind you of dates as well. We can do that. So bless you all.